0: Hello and welcome to our Project Research Podcast. My name is Donna and this is my partner, Nolan, and today we will be interviewing Dr. Beverly Roskis, Associate Professor for Psychology at UA. Dr. Roskis conducts research in various fields of psychology, including visual perceptions and uh, media comprehension. Well, hi, so how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thank you. All right. So our first question is, we noticed that your research focuses mostly on things related to visual cognition. What initially sparked your interest in this field?
1: So I'm a very visual person, and that's what happens, especially in psychology. You study what you're you're good at, or sometimes what you're not good at. But in my case, I wanted to know more about visual, and almost all of the psychology research was with Um, written information, verbal information, um, and there wasn't a whole lot out there on visual information, you know, how we process visual information, especially at a higher level, like comprehending what does it mean to understand a movie? And there's there's a huge visual component to that. So I wasn't necessarily interested in the kind of the nitty gritty (laughs) cognitive psychology I wanted to ask, bigger questions, um, questions that hadn't been asked before.
0: So we saw in one of your publications, you talked a little bit about um, visual perception and media comprehension with uh, political advertisements. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so that
1: was the one case where we, I did not use visual material so much. Um, It was actually a graduate student project uh, and I just helped shepherd it through. So he was interested in um, whether you frame a political advertisement in a negative way or in a positive way. And you see that a lot, there are a lot of negative ads out there. And then what would you remember from those um, ads, depending on if it was in a positive or negative light. And then um, we had this model of comprehension that basically, says that um, as we read the words, we have like activity in our brain for those words and what they mean, how they go together. Um, And so what we did was um, we used a a proxy for that activity. So as we're reading the words, um, the, the activity in our brain uh gets higher and lower you know goes away and we wanted to see if that could capture what we remember about um, about the the story so um, it's kind of complicated how we we (laughs) did it but um, what we found is that what we were expecting let me say that um, is that those who had a negative ad would remember more negative words and those who had a positive ad would remember more positive words, and that's basically what we found. Um, so the yes, the the landscape model did uh, predict that because because um, those words belong with each other as you're reading yeah. them. So um, and that that was this model hadn't been used in this way before. It's usually used in short. Um, written really what a child would read a story, like four sentences long.
0: Yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about landscape models?
1: Yeah, so when you um, do this, uh, yeah, this is the complicated part. To get, uh, <laughs> to get those activations, we actually have um, people read um, the, the ads, one word at a time. And we have a list of all the different words that appear and we have them rate. Okay, how much did that word make you think of this word and this word and this word and this word and this word? And so the, and it's on a scale. So the higher this, you know, the number, the more they're thinking about it. And sometimes it, you know, it goes back in time. So they weren't reading a particular word, but, another word comes to mind. Um, and so we're, what we try to capture, we ca- try to capture all of that. So in the moment when they first see the word and also what are they thinking about as they're reading that word. And so when you plot um, those activations, they're really just ratings of <laughs> people, yeah. what, what makes them think of, it's, it forms a three-dimensional um, landscape. If you will. So you have um, the the words. You know, each each separate word uh, is along one axis, and um, the, sort of the sentences are on the other accents, uh, uh Sorry, axis. And what you have in the third dimension are these activity levels. And so you, you see these peaks and valleys. Um, Uh, depending on what words you're you're reading or what what words you're thinking about at that particular time so we can um, you know if a word appears in the third sentence but it made you think about something in the first sentence we'll see that first sentence word showing up in the activity in the third sentence
0: okay wow that's really interesting did you When you were sampling your populations, was it like a random sample or are there specific groups of people that you were looking for? Yes. Um, In in our world, we we can't
1: randomly select from a population. We can uh, identify a population, which in our case was um, college students, mostly around 19 to 20 years old. Um, So that was our population. But what we can do is randomly assign them to the group. So once they came in, we randomly assign them to the positive or to the negative framework. Um, And that's how, you know, it's not a random sample from the population, but they should start out the same, you know, a lot of different characteristics once we randomly assign them to the group.
0: Okay, so you said that was mostly the work from a graduate student that you were taking on. What is your favorite project that you've started yourself?
1: Um, I, I like, the, so that this is a, from a long time ago. Um, we were asking a basic question, like how do we remember information about our environment in terms of what's where, you know? Yeah. Where's this path or that path? And um, there was a, a influential paper out there that suggested that um, when we're in a familiar environment or imagining ourselves in a familiar environment, it says it's as if we have a memory of that environment from all different vantage places. So we have, you know all, uh, it's not just a single monolithic, map of the the environment we just we have like pictures from every single like 180 degrees around you um and so so that um you can access information about that environment from any direction and you know you would know the answer so for example if i said you're standing at gordon palmer hall facing the front entrance where's denny chimes and you would point back in that direction, yeah. right? So, and that's easy because I'm I I'm very familiar with this. But when you're in an unfamiliar environment, you only basically see it from one direction. You've seen it one time, and so it's very difficult to answer questions like that because you haven't experienced all the different directions. And so, this is about what what is it in memory? Is it a whole bunch of different um you know vantage points or is it just one single vantage point and so I, I tried to replicate that by having people imagine that they were in the environment like specifically imagine you're in that environment um, and I could not replicate that I could not replicate that um finding the difference between a familiar and unfamiliar map and it and it turns out that um there was an experimental, um, just part of the procedure that they hadn't really mentioned that was affecting their results. And and I didn't have that same manipulation in mind. So in in my case, even in a familiar environment, they didn't see it from all different directions. They just, it was as if they had, it was the same as a place that was unfamiliar to them. They only could access it from the, the direction they they uh, experienced it. And so that was actually a uh, I, I thought I just just okay. I didn't replicate, you know. Oh well, <laughs> but I, we submitted it, um, and it turns out it was a it was a pretty big deal because it it shook that what we thought was true. <laughs> It was just basically an artifact of the way they did the study.
0: Yeah, yeah that's awesome. So, are you doing any research right now, continuing on that? Because it seems like you were pretty surprised by your results. Yeah. Um, so we,
1: uh, you know, research has these twists and turns, and part of it is is who the graduate students are that are working with me. Um, And so some of the graduate students came in and and wanted to do more of the media work um, while it still fits under my umbrella. And so for, I don't know, it's probably five, 10 years, we kind of shifted towards that, um, doing the media stuff. And it's only now I'm finally getting back to that spatial information. Um, But now I'm focusing on the strategies you use to find yourself find your way in an environment. So there's different patterns, um, strategies that you can use. Some are better than others, which means that some people can find their way in the environment better than others if they use these um, better strategies. So I am just coming back to that now.
0: Okay. What are you hoping or expecting to find with that?
1: Well, um, there's... So right now, there's um, basically two kinds of strategies. One is what we call a, sort of a bird's eye strategy. So when you're learning an environment, you always think about it from you know, the top down. You know where one building is in relation to the other building and you know kind of where they are. That's called a survey strategy or um, it's also called allocentric. Um, it says not, it's not centered on you. It's centered on the environment. And the other type of strategy is where you say, "Okay, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to know the whole environment. Just, just tell me which street to go, turn right or left." And you have this, you know, really easy route to follow. Um, and when you use the more the the survey strategies, like where am I? Where's north from where I am? Um, you are a better. You find your way. More uh, quickly, more accurately in an environment than if you if you use the just tell me where to turn and do I turn right or left basically, um, because when you get lost, what do you do? All you have are this one set of instructions, um, so that's been the the sort of the two main types of strategies, and I, I want to. I want to say that there's no there's more than that <laughs> it also yeah. comes back to visualization so it's the the those strategies that are high in visualization tend to be the better strategies than those who are low in in visualization like um just tell me right left i don't care
0: <laughs> yeah uh,
1: oh yeah by the way those Right, left directions are called egocentric um, because they center on yourself, what's right and what's left, or um, root, root strategies.
0: Allocentric is when you associate, is what you're saying. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, that makes sense. If you're, if you have a visual strategy, it's like associating where you are with something that you've seen before, so that it makes sense that it would be easier for you, you know, to find your way rather than just being told instructions. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so, no, that's...
1: so we're testing that right now. So we don't have the results
0: yet uh, for that. Well, I'm excited to see what you find. Mm-hmm. I think that's all the time we have for today. So thank okay. you for joining us, Dr. Roskiss, and thanks everyone for listening.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.